Heavenly Father, I thank you for these moms who have the courage and the strength from you to keep going, even though it gets tough sometimes uh, going it alone. But Lord, today we declare in Jesus' name, they're not alone. They have a, a family of brothers and sisters that surround them and that are with them and are for them. And God, I pray that you would allow encouragement to rise in their hearts today and to feel the blessing that they deserve as moms who are, who are, who are strong in you to do what they can uh, in your strength. And so thank you, Lord, for this moment. Thank you, God, for this church rising up to be the encouraging body that we're meant to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well done, church. Good job. Love that. It's so, until a couple of years ago, we had a store on Myriad Hot Springs called Toys R Us, and then it got Amazon. Uh, so that was sad. But I grew up with Toys R Us. Maybe a lot of you did too. And so I remember being a kid and, and watching, uh, you know, Saturday cartoons or whatever, and a commercial would pop on with the giraffe thing and Jeffrey, and and then I, the song made a permanent impression in my brain. Remember the song, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid, so many planes and toys and trains that I could play with, I don't want to grow up, because maybe if I did, I couldn't be a Toys R Us kid. So, right, no, that doesn't deserve an applause. It's a, it's a jingle from a toy store. But the problem is that we had a whole generation of us that, that grew up by singing, I don't want to grow up. And, and I think that might have left a mark. <laughs> so, but the thing is, we actually must, all of us, do some growing up. And God's word calls us to actually be people who would continue to grow. And then when we thought we had grown enough to grow some more. And I want you to take some time today to turn to uh, 2 Peter in, in the New Testament. It's way back at the end of the New Testament, just before Revelation and, and James. And so I want you to, to turn there now uh, to to first, uh, Second Peter. So Second Peter chapter 1, just right at the beginning. And so while you turn into Second Peter chapter 1, this is how it begins. It starts out by just simply saying, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. It, listen, for, for so many of us, part of the reason we're here today is because we know Jesus Christ as our God and Savior. And so we live every day knowing I'm saved. My sins are forgiven. I stand right with God. And it's for that reason that when, when your pastor comes out and says, hey, let's shout, come on, we'd do it. Because we know he's our, our God and Savior. And we know that we've been saved from our sins. We know that we've been saved from an eternity in hell. And that gives us something to shout about. I mean, we're not going to hold back when the stakes were that high. It's too good. And the scriptures here says that, that we have this precious faith. And I just want to stop for a second and make sure that we could all, if we're believers anyway, acknowledge that it's a precious faith. And here's why. It's a precious faith because, first of all, this precious faith gives me access forever into heaven itself. It's a precious faith because through this precious faith, I don't carry around the guilt of my sin anymore. It's a precious faith because it brings me into a life-giving, empowering, personal connection with the living God. It's a precious faith because it, it draws me into a new community with 
brothers and sisters so that I don't stand alone. I got people around me to build life with and be in community with. It's a precious faith because through this faith, I get to live in the purposes of God. I get to live with the fullness of the love of God, and it changes things for me. Somebody say, it's a precious faith. It is a precious faith. And men, I hope we never lose sight of it. I hope that we who are believers would never be the ones that the scripture talks about as those who would grow lukewarm. No. No, 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 no. It's a precious faith. We're going to recognize how precious it is at every turn. And, and then it says in verse 2, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. May God give you more and more grace and peace. I'm grateful that it says more and more. Because I feel like some days I need more and more. <laughs> Especially of the grace. The grace that covers where I got it wrong. And the peace that comes in and brings a calm in the midst of the chaos that sometimes rises up. Anybody with me? Aren't you grateful God is willing and desires for you to experience not just a bare minimum of his grace, just enough to get you by, but more and more of his grace and his peace. And I want you to pay attention to the word underlined here and say it out loud with me. Ready? Grow. Because your ability to experience more and more of God's grace and his peace is tied to your willingness to be somebody who would grow. And to grow specifically in your knowledge of Jesus, your knowledge of God, your knowing of God. And, and I'm grateful that we get this privilege, being able to know our God and grow in our, in our knowledge of him. I hope that anybody of us who has felt a little self-satisfied in where we stand in God would repent right now of that. Because his word has invited you to have the the humility of soul to recognize there's still so much more of who he is and his heart that I can know. And, and I'm going to grow in getting to know him and his heart. And, and so I've built my message today around one declaration. And I want you to let this declaration kind of sink in, settle into your heart. And maybe by the end of this message, it would be a declaration that would resonate for you personally. But for now, just write it down. And it's this. I have power to grow through the promises of God. I have power to grow through the promises of God. I, I'm not done. I haven't arrived yet. I got a lot of progress still to make. There's a lot of road left for me to travel so that I can get there, but I'm going to. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep growing. I have power to grow through the promises of God. That's my message today. I want you to just now say it out loud. And I'm not asking you to commit to it as your declaration quite yet. Just try saying it one time. See what it feels like. Ready? Go. I have power to grow through the promises of God. You know, how, how something grows really matters. So we had, we had a problem in our front yard that I had to take care of. We had a whole section of the, of the front yard where the grass is all dead and destroyed and torn up and and it was a big, big old uh, dirt patch. And I thought, you know what, I probably ought to just buy some sod and slap it in and call it good. But I, I figured, no, I'm going to save money. I'm going to do some grass seed. I'm going to get some grass seed. And, and in my garage, I had this random collection of all of these different bags of half-used bags of 
different kinds of fertilizers and weed killers and all that kind of stuff, like from years of only using half of it. And I, so I thought, you know what, before I put the grass seed in, I'm going to deal with, I'm going to, you know, rake the, the dirt. I did, that was good. I did it. I raked the dirt. And then I thought, you know what, let me take all these different fertilizers because I want to make sure that this grass seed can really grow. And so I took, you know, the three, four different bags and I, you know, coated it all down and I put it really good. I mean, I put nice amount of fertilizer, so much you could not even see the dirt underneath of it. So I put it down really good. Then I put a little, just a tiny bit of topsoil, put the grass seed all around, and, and then I put the uh, extra layer of topsoil on top. I did it good, and it even looked good. I mean, look, I have a picture of it, right? When I was done with my process, it, it, I mean, that looks nice, rich dirt, right? It's going to really grow. And I watered it every day, and for a week, uh, I watered it, and then for another week, I watered it some more, and for another week, I watered it some more. And then the only thing that I noticed happening was that around the edges, uh, it, it was just turning yellow. Like the other grass that was alive was turning yellow and dying. And, and I think I, I realized what I did, right? Then I, I read the directions on the fertilizer and realized I put about 120 times more fertilizer than any yard should ever have. And, and so I realized that what I had really done is, even though I wanted the grass to grow, all I had done was poison it. I poisoned the whole, I mean, all this grass seed, just like, ah, ah, dying, a terrible death by fertilizer. So, so I couldn't just put more on top of it at this point. What I really had to do is I had to scrape off all of that nice dirt, because it wasn't so nice. It was full of a bunch of poison. And before I could get anything to grow, I needed to scrape off all of that poisoned dirt that was keeping the growth from happening. And let me just pause here and say this. If you really want to grow in your life as a spiritual being following Jesus, you might need to scrape off some poison. You might need to scrape off the poison of bitterness, the poison of wanting to, to get revenge. You might need to scrape off the poison of unforgiveness. You might need to scrape off the poison of secret hatred that you're carrying around. Because if you don't, it will just be like a nice dose of poison that keeps the growth from happening that God really wants for you. So I had to take all of that stuff, even though it looked kind of right on the surface, and I had to scrape it all off and put it in trash bags and throw it all away because it was poison. had to be dealt with. And then I, I started over, and I raked that raw dirt again, and then I did not put any fertilizer, just a tiny bit of topsoil and grass seed, and then two weeks later, boom, check this out. I think it looks pretty good. I mean, it's not perfect, but pretty good, right? When you want something to grow, you're clapping for me growing some grass. That's awesome. Thank you. I feel so loved. But, but that, that was the result of, of actually letting something grow the way it was meant to grow, the right way. And for you and I, we are meant to grow, but how we grow matters. And it is through the promises of God that we grow. And so I want us to take some time to understand God's heart for how we can grow. And keep reading in 2 Peter, in verse uh, 3. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence... Why don't you read this next part out loud? Ready, go. He has given us great and precious 
promises. Say the next part. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. We have a problem. And the problem, it's kind of like the, the dirt patch in my front yard where it just, what was supposed to grow wasn't growing. It, it had become corrupted. And in our lives, in our human stories, we face patches like that. And it's, the, it's corrupted and the corruption comes from evil desires. Here, the NLT says human desires. NIV calls it evil desires. Not all of the problems that we face come from evil desires, but some of them do. And... and as awkward as it is, we need to confront that reality because all of us have that. We have the capacity to get some desires going inside of us that we just start thinking, hmm, that would be good, but it won't be. And, and, and if we let that begin to do its thing, it leads to a, a damage and a destruction and a corruption that God didn't design us for. And so we need to be able to evaluate what we've just read. And what we've really just read is that while we've got a problem, God's promises are the solution. Did you catch what we just read? That God's promises are the solution. And the reason is that God's promises are both an entry and an exit. God's promises are an exit out of the corruption caused by evil desires. That's what we read. And God's promises are an entry. God's promises are an entry into the reality of God's goodness and love and favor and power. God's promises are an entry and an exit. And for some of us, it's time to take the exit. We've been getting real comfortable with a bunch of, a bunch of stuff that isn't doing us any good. And it's God's promises that right now are giving us a way out, a pathway out of the corruption caused by Evil desires, human desires. God's promises are an entry as well. You know, the, the, the scripture here says he has given us his great and precious promises. Everyone say precious promises. It sounds nice, doesn't it? Precious promises. Except for me, it sounds a little weak. I don't know. It makes me think of like a, a section in a Hallmark card store. You know, like precious promises. And it makes it sound weak, but these are powerful. Because God's promises provide an access point to a different realm. God's promises provide an access point to a realm where God's love and power are constantly flowing. And the promises of God provide a pathway for you into that realm where God's power and love are flowing so that it can then flow into your life so that you can have a story that gets rewritten, so that you can have a, an evidence of God's power coming to bear on your circumstances. The promises of God open up that pathway. That's what the scripture is revealing right here. That the promises of God become, in a sense, a portal to the power of God. But the power of God is not just so that you can get what you want. No, the power of God is so that you can grow as God has desired you to grow in more and more of his grace and peace, like we started from the beginning reading. I have power to grow through the promises of God. Say it again, I have power to grow through the promises of God. And, and so in verse five it says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with 
self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. This is something I really want to make sure that you understand. At the beginning of this passage, it said make every effort. Everyone say make every effort. But catch what it said. It said make every effort to supplement your faith. Another translation says, make every effort to add to your faith these things. And so, so your faith is, is, is the foundation. And your faith does not require your effort. Your faith is a spiritual posture of belief and trust in Jesus. It's n- that's not effort that you make. I want to make sure we understand this. Because coming to know Jesus as your savior, that's your faith, that's the foundation, and that's not an effort, that is a gift. And when we come to know Jesus, we are saved, and we have the promise of eternal life. But God wants more for us than just being saved to go to heaven when we die. God wants us to be able to grow up and do great things in this world. And in order for that to happen, you you need to be saved, but then also sanctified. Everyone say sanctified. Don't you dare turn it out on me just because I'm using multi-syllable theology words. It's important that we understand this. Both dynamics matter. Saved and sanctified. Justified and sanctified. These are two different dynamics. Don't confuse the rest of what I'm going to say. The, The first part, your faith is a gift from God. It's the foundation. Let me ask you a question. You ever, you ever drive down to, uh, you know, to Tijuana or Rosarito? We did a little trip a few months ago down to Rosarito in Mexico across the border. Had a great time. Some excellent lobster down there. It was so good. But along the way, you know, driving along the coast, and we see these, these, uh, these buildings. Like, you know, there's a nice foundation and, and these pillars kind of coming up. And then it just stops. I know you know what I'm talking about. You've probably been to a place like that too. And you look at it and you go, that's a really great foundation. And you can tell there's a structure there. There's a foundation. And it's got some rebar sticking out of it. But that's it. It's just done. And you find yourself thinking, man, I know that the foundation is good. But something tells me there was something more that was meant to be added to it. Like a a, a roof, (laughs) some doors, some windows, you know. But listen, listen. A, a lot of us as Christian believers are kind of like that. We, we got the foundation thing. I, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. Peace out. Now I'm going to go party and have fun. But then we kind of look like that unfinished building which just got some rebar just sticking out the sides and some rough concrete on the edges. Yeah, there's a foundation, but come on. Everybody knew that it was supposed to be more that was added to it. And, and so, so for some of our lives, that's what needs to come next. It's time to grow. It's really time to grow. And it's time to grow the way God gives us a picture of. And so go back to verse 5. It says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And then moral excellence with knowledge. Moral excellence. Another translation just says goodness. Makes it a little simpler. But, But here's the thing. Moral excellence matters. But You can be a person of faith in Jesus, going to heaven when you die, but living without moral excellence. It's possible. That's why the scripture says you need to add this. You you actually need to make some effort on this one. Your faith? No, no effort. Jesus did it all. But moral excellence or goodness? You got to decide. This is about making the right choice, doing what is ethical, even when nobody's looking. That, That matters. 
And you get to add that to your experience of a life of faith. And then uh, knowledge. You know what? It is good to be saved, but it's even better to be saved and then getting to know Jesus more and more. Getting to know the ways of God a little bit more. Growing and knowing who he really is and what he's really like. And walking more closely with him. Knowledge. Knowing God personally. That's what we're made for. And then verse 6, it says, yeah, and then supplement that knowledge with, with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness. Do you think these things matter? It's like having a building but not putting any windows in it or doors if you don't add these to your faith. And, and so the first one, self-control. Come on, somebody. You can look at the, at the trail of wreckage in lots of people's lives, maybe even our own, and go, you know what? I think at the core of that was there was no doors, <laughs> no self-control. That ability to restrain yourself when something looks good and might feel good, but you know, but it isn't good, so I'm not. That ability is something that you choose to add in your faith, on your faith. It's got to be something you choose. And then patient endurance. This one matters, man, because probably all of us get to different moments in our lives where we get a case of the quits. But patient endurance is when you got a case of the quits, but you just keep going anyway. And you don't walk out, and you don't leave her. You, you stay because you, you are, you are in, 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 in a serious way adding patient endurance into your faith. And then godliness. Everyone say godliness. And godliness matters. Godliness. I remember being a, a, a kid in college, and, and uh, I, I had recently recommitted my life to Jesus. And then uh, one of the, one, we, we were in this college fellowship, and there were guys and girls kind of all part of it together. And I remember this moment where this one girl just, I overheard her talking about me, and she said to her friend, oh, John, he's just, he's just so godly. And it made my ears perk up. I'm like, what? What does that mean? That sounds nice. Am I really? Or do I just look that way? <laughs> so, but godliness, man, it, it matters. Here's what it is. Godliness is, first of all, the attitude of honoring God. And then it is the ability to acknowledge God as Lord who you will obey in every circumstance. And godliness is about engaging in supernatural gifts so that you can experience the supernatural reality of God. All of that is wrapped up in this one word, godliness. And it doesn't come by autopilot. Just because you got saved one day and you're going to heaven when you die, Godliness is something that the scripture says you make every effort to add this. Come on, let's grow. Say that title again. Say, come on, let's grow. And this is what it looks like. You, you add this. And then verse 7, it says, and then supplement godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. Oh, this is good. Brotherly affection. The word is Philadelphia in the original language, right? But what this is about is this. When you came to know Jesus, it was pretty much just a personal thing. It was about you going, I do want to be right with God, and I definitely want to be forgiven. I'm good now. <laughs> but God actually had a different vision. God's vision was, yeah, but I'm going to draw you into a community with people who are now going to be your brothers and sisters. And you and I get to grow in choosing brotherly affection, choosing to step into community where we'll take care of some people and get loved by some people. It's what we're made for. And then, ah, oh, the crown of it all. Love for everybody. The word here is agape. It means unconditional love. And it's hard. I wonder if maybe there's a reason why it's the eighth thing on the list. 
because it might just be that, that you finally get to that. <laughs> but, but it's what we're called to eventually, is to be people who grow and really loving, and giving love away when people didn't deserve it, and when we thought that they ought to be punished instead, and letting them off the hook when, when we really just want to keep them hanging on it. No, love, this is what God's really calling us into. This kind of a way of living, and, and it's something that you get to choose to. And, and it's like as though, when I read through all of these things, faith plus those seven others, I feel like God is saying, your story does need to be rewritten. But, but I need you to see your story rewritten with these things. I want these things rewritten because these things are plot shifters. They really are. They will shift the plot. Watch. It's kind of like this. You got one, one woman who, uh, she, she came to faith and got saved. Foundation. But then, I don't know what happened. She just went back to work and kept on just doing these unethical things, you know, just like writing things off that she shouldn't have and, and sweetening the deal secretly or whatever. And I don't know, she ended up uh, getting fired and losing her job, losing her career and, and the whole nine. Train wreck. Uh, but what if it was different? What if for you, what if you were that person, but instead you, you began to, you came to faith. You got saved, but then you added to your faith goodness or, or moral excellence. And it happened kind of like this. You, you saw the opportunity to do that thing, but, but you said, God, in Proverbs 10, 9, your promise is that honest people are safe and secure, but dishonest people will be caught. God, I want to be safe and secure. I'm claiming your promise, and I'm choosing not to do that thing. And so she didn't you know, cut that secret deal and take that kickback or, 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 or do anything shady. And instead, the plot shifted, and one day she ended up owning that company, Right? You see that it's a plot shifter if we can step into it that way. Or maybe for somebody else it was like this. He, he seemed to be doing okay. Everything seemed to be fine. But then he got kind of caught up with this girl at work and who knows what even happened. But all we know is that there's no more family pictures coming from them. Sad. But what if it could have been different? What if the plot could shift? And it's these things that shift the plot. What if... That guy, what, what if it's you, and, and you, you see this opportunity, you see this moment, but you find yourself ha having a little deal with God in that, in, that, in that moment, and you say, God, in Galatians 5.16, you promise that if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And God, I got some lusts of the flesh right now. But you said, you promised that if I would walk by the Spirit, I would not fulfill those lusts, those desires of the flesh. So Holy Spirit, come and move my feet right on out of this situation. Then the plot shifts. And the plot shifts. And then the next scene in the story, the whole family is all seated together at the graduation and together at the wedding. Ah, oh, the plot can shift. The plot can shift. In her story, what if it was like this? You know, she, she was doing okay and they thought everything was awesome, but then they found out he was having an affair. And she said, that's it. I'm done with them. That's the end of this story. Except it never was the end of the story because the brokenness and the pain just got transferred into the kids and marked them for life. What if the plot could shift? And what if instead she, she found herself in that moment of the betrayal and the anger meeting with God for a minute, knowing I'm faith, I've got faith, I'm saved, but I'm adding to my faith agape love. And so God, I'm angry and I'm hurting, but 
Your word says in 1 John 4.16 that we can know and rely on the love that you have for us. And I need to rely on the love that you have right now, God, because I don't feel like I have any. But God, you promised I could rely on your love, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to rely on it right now, God. And God, you say that whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in her. That's what you promised, God. And so right now, I choose to forgive. I work through the pain. I work through the, 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 the betrayal, the difficulty of it. And then the plot shifts. Do, do you see what I'm saying? These things are plot shifters. In, in all of our life stories, they have the ability to be. And I think that's why God is saying, I want you to make every effort to add these things. But did you recognize how it happened? And just in the few examples I showed you. It happened through an engagement with promises of God. I have power to grow through the promises of God. And it's the promises of God that open up a, a pathway for me to receive his power. They unlock something inside of me that is then able to believe because it goes beyond what I felt and to what he said. And that changes me from the inside out. It changes the possibilities. It changes what I believe is even able to happen. And the promises create that opportunity. This is what you and I need. We need to be able to participate in the divine nature, to share in the divine nature, and it's God's promises that allow us to get there. Think about this for a moment. Imagine yourself on a bicycle, and you're on a bicycle, and you're riding, and you're pedaling, and you're pedaling, and it's a little bit of a, a hill. Not super steep, but just enough. You've got to keep pedaling. But imagine all of a sudden the chain falls off, but you just keep pedaling. You just keep pedaling, but gradually you lose all your momentum and you come to a halt and you just completely stop moving. You're never going to get to where you're trying to go until you get that chain engaged again. <laughs> until you, you put it back on. And, and, and that is what these things are in your spiritual life. Adding these things. Verse 8, it says, the more you grow like this the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you're really among those who God has called and chosen. Do these things and you'll never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love that. God will give you a, a grand entrance. If, if you grow like this, God will give you a grand entrance into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of us are going, I'd be fine if I just squeak in by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> but God's going, yeah, but I want more for you than that. I want you to experience what it's like to grow in this life, to experience my victory in this life. But in the end, I do also want you to know that if you are a believer in Jesus, you're loved by God. I remember when my kids were younger, uh, in, in elementary school, Anne was having them write these speeches, and, and then they were going to practice the speeches in front of each other, because one of them was going to be going to do a, a competition or something. And so we, she got our family together to judge Toby. He was going to go first, giving a speech. And she said, okay, everybody sit down, and Toby, get ready to give your speech. And Noah was sitting down, and he said, oh, wait, wait, wait we're going to judge the speech? And, and she said, yeah. And so he said, hold on, hold on. And he went and he got a little three-by-five card. And he wrote something down on the three-by-five card, and then he put it back down in his lap. He's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. And we went, wait, hold on, hold on. What, what did you just do? What did you just write on there? And looked at the card, 
And he said, well, you, you said we were going to judge his speech, so I just wanted to be ready. And he just went and he wrote a 10 down on his 3 by 5 card. You know, because it was like, you know what, whatever he does with the speech, he's my brother. He's a 10. <laughs> I love that moment. It's one of those proud parenting moments. Like, and I, I kind of wish they were still like that. <laughs> Teenager years change everything. Happy Mother's Day, babe. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> but you know what? It, in a sense, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, while God in this realm wants for you to experience the thrill and the personal joy of growing, he looks at you from all eternity through the blood of Jesus. In a sense, saying, yeah, through, through the blood of Jesus, you're a 10. Through Jesus, the lens of Jesus over your life, you're a 10. Yeah, yeah, keep growing on this side of things. But from where I'm looking, you're a 10. Yeah, I just want you to know that. But, but listen, for others of us, I want us to let us... Uh, be captured by this thought for a second, that one day all of us are going to make some kind of an entrance into something eternal. And it is by faith in Jesus Christ that we can anticipate making an entrance into the eternal kingdom of Jesus, where we're experiencing God's mercy and grace forever in heaven. There, there, there's a way to enter into eternity without Jesus that leaves you lost forever and with the anticipation of nothing but suffering and pain. And that's just not what God wanted. In a sense, God said, I don't want anybody going to hell. If you go to hell, it's over my dead body. Right? And Jesus laid his down so that you would have to literally go over his dead body. But he, he desires for you to step into his eternal kingdom, loved, forgiven, saved forever. And so I want us to pray right now that for some of us, we could wake up to, first of all, that that we need Jesus, others of us who are believers, that we could rise up to grow, maybe to enter into a season of growing like never before. Would you pray with me for a moment? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for calling us up to something greater.